which is a, a legitimate concern with, with all of the, the sicknesses and the problems that, um, that we've experienced over the last couple of years. But even laying all that aside, I mean, think about all the other struggles and problems and issues and challenges and, and just uh, difficulties that we have faced uh, as a result of the last couple of years. And it would be easy for us to either look back and, and, and stay in the past uh, or, or sometimes we, we're guilty of bringing the past with us into the present or into the future where we kind of we sense that fear and that anxiety start to come in and say, okay, you know, if, if the last, if this next year is anything like it was the last two years, then, you know, man, it's just, it's just not a very exciting thing to look forward to. And we don't know. And, and you guys understand where, you know, where I come from, from a, from a prophetic uh, standpoint, as you know, we, we worked through the book of Revelation this past year. And from a prophetic standpoint, you know, I do believe, and not to sound, uh, not to discourage you in any way, but we have been given, God has given us the end from the beginning. He, is, he has told us what is to come in the future. And we know, guys, that there, there is a point where this world will begin to turn and begin to move in a direction toward what we call the, the time of tribulation, the time of great tribulation. And that means that before it ever gets better, when Jesus comes... We know it's going to get what? It is going to get worse. And I know that's like a lot of people don't want to hear that. Like, I just wish you wouldn't say that. But the Bible says that. The Bible is clear about, you know, what, and again, whether we're living in that generation or not, I'm not here to, to tell you yes or no dogmatically. But we do understand that there's a very possible reality that, that the things that we have experienced over the last couple of years are perhaps the beginnings of some of those things. I mean, that's just a possibility. Again, and I'm not here to, to, to scare you, and I'm not here to create any anxiety in you because my message today is very, very simple. Is that regardless of what's happened over the last two years, I don't want to really spend any time looking back. I don't, I don't want to waste any more time um, allowing the, the problems and the challenges and the struggles and the anxieties and the fears of what we've experienced over the last couple of years to hold us back for what we as God's people are called to do and who we're called to be right now and especially looking forward into a new year for 2022. And so my message today is really very, very simple. And of course, I'm going to, I'll go more, a little bit more in depth, but I, there's three things I'm going to tell you off the top. My goal today is, is to tell you this, is that looking ahead, there are three things that I want us to remember. Okay. The first one is to press in, press in. The second one is to press on, and the third one is to hold on, okay? So I was taught in preaching class in seminary, a good preacher tells you what he's going to say, he says it, and he tells you what he said. I'm going to try to do that today, okay? So I'm going to tell you what I'm about to say. We're called right now on the, very, uh, on the verge of a new year and everything that we've been through over the last two years. I feel like God has got a very simple but very practical, very encouraging message for you today. We're called to press in, we're called to press on, and we're called to hold on, okay? Philippians chapter 3. So let's look at just a few verses from Philippians. And again, like I said, next week we're going to start at the very beginning of this book, and we're going to work through the book of Philippians for several months, and I know that God's got a great message uh, and encouraging message because the, the theme, the overarching and the overall theme of this book 
that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. And he's writing this book from a very inconvenient situation. Does anybody know where Paul is when he's writing the book of Philippians? He's in prison. He's being held as a witness because of his witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not in very good circumstances. And yet you, what you see throughout this entire book as he's writing from prison, writing in chains, is that he is called to rejoice. He's calling God's people to find joy, to be encouraged, to rejoice in the Lord, right? And that's really that the joy, the theme of, of this unspeakable joy is, is what the whole book of Philippians is all about. And so just, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as you, as you look at this passage of scripture with me this morning and, and as we look at what it means to press in, to press on, and to hold on, okay? So from, from Philippians 3, I'm going to begin in verse 10. And then we're going to work down through about verse 16, and then I, I'm going to share these things with you, okay? Philippians 3.10. Paul is, uh, he first, you know, in the, in the first part of the chapter, he's talking about who he is, and, and he has every right to, to be proud of his, her- his spiritual heritage and all these kind of things. And he's like, look, all that stuff doesn't matter. He says, all I want to do is know Christ. I just want to know him and make him known. Isn't that what's great about our mission statement at Christ Church, right? Our mission statement, in case you missed it, we exist, Christ Church exists to know Christ and to what? Make him known. And that's what Paul's saying right here. He's saying regardless of all the things that I could be proud of, regardless of my history, my spiritual heritage, none of that stuff matters. Okay? All that matters right now in prison is that I know Christ. I want to know him more. And I want to what? I want to make him known, which obviously he did. So, so that, that's the context, and look at verse 10. That I may know him. Paul is talking. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's, that's the good thing we get to look forward to, right? We, we, we look forward to the hope of his resurrection. But then he says something that we're not real happy about. And that we may share in his what? In his sufferings. Ooh. That's tough. Becoming like him even in death. Now look at what he says in verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am I already perfect. Paul understands we're, we're, none of us are perfect. We're, we're on this spiritual journey. None of us have arrived yet, right? He says, but I press on to make it my own. Now listen to this. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Think about that. Jesus has made us, has called us his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. This is where I want you to, to, to stay with me today. One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. 21, 20, 21, you're behind us now. Let's forget what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, any, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's a lot in there. Amen. 
but I'm going to try to unpack it for you. So the first thing, guys, I want to just encourage you in today, looking at this passage of Scripture, looking at what we're facing with the new year, is that when we're faced with the uncertainty and difficulty of life, Okay, this is your first, uh, your first point in your outline. When you're, when you're faced, when we're faced with the, with the uncertainty and difficulty of life, we must be willing to press in to God that much harder. You know, here's where a lot of us are. I think about little children um, and how their parents are that, that refuge for them. You know, parents are, are that, that, uh, that comfort zone for children. You know, when a little child gets in a, in a situation or a circumstance or maybe they scrape their knee or maybe they get their feelings hurt or maybe they're scared, they really will run to their parents and, I mean, they'll just latch on to you, won't they? And you just want to wrap them up and hold them close and hold them tight and, and, and comfort them and secure them and encourage them. And, and children, instinctively, we, we press in to our parents in times of difficulty and uncertainty or when we're afraid or when we're hurt. And guys, that's the picture I want you to, to kind of keep in your mind when I'm, when I'm encouraging you and, and really challenging you to how are we going to respond? How have we responded in the last two years of difficulty and uncertainty? I think all of us could probably take a, an examination and evaluation of our spiritual life right now and say, okay, over the last two years, with everything that we've endured, everything that we've gone to, either our, our spiritual, our relationship with Christ is stronger or it's probably a little bit weaker. I don't really think there's a whole lot of neutral ground. I doubt very many of us have stayed or plateaued or stayed neutral in this whole thing. Either this, all these uncertainties and fears and troubles and and problems that we face in our culture and our society with everything that's happened, it's either pushed us closer to the Lord or for some of us it's pushed us what? Further away. Now here's the thing. Back to the, ch the children illustration. What if you're a child and your parents are supposed to be that place of comfort and refuge and safety for you to press into them whenever you're fearful or afraid or, or scared or uncertain. But then what if the parent is the one that's caused the child all the hurt and all the pain? Think about that. All of a sudden, who does that child have to press into? Do you see what I'm saying? The child is not going to go and run to the parent, to the very one who is what? Who's hurt them, who's caused them that much pain. And think about how many children, uh, it's so sad, it breaks my heart, how many children live in homes where their parents are the source of continual, whether it be abuse or neglect or whatever it may be, and the, and the children do not want to run and press into their parents, and so they feel very alone, they feel very isolated, they don't know where to turn. Now, here's my point. All of us in this room have two choices to make. Okay. When we face times of uncertainty, when we face times of difficulty, when we face times when we're afraid, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're facing challenges, when we're facing problems, we have one or two choices to make. Okay? Either we press into God 
We lean hard into him, harder and harder. We draw closer and closer to him as our, as our place of peace and refuge and comfort and strength and love and provision and all of those things. Or we do what? We run away. And who do we end up blaming? We end up blaming God. And guys, I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times in ministry. Whether it be circumstances that we bring upon ourselves, or whether it be circumstances that were outside of our control, the one common thing that we have in life is that all of us are going to suffer, all of us are going to struggle, all of us are going to endure hardship, are we not? No matter where it comes from or why it's happened, it's going to happen. This is part of the human condition. This is where we are in a fallen, in a, in a corrupt world. We're got, we have to be faced with these realities that, that there's sin and there's the influence of evil and there's, there's all the consequences of the curse and all of these things are, are going to affect us in so many ways. And guys, it breaks my heart to see that when those things happen, and they will come, you're assured of it. Especially, it breaks my heart, especially to see one of God's children, instead of pressing in that much harder to God through that time, they become angry and resentful, and they blame God, and they begin to what? Run as far away from him as they possibly can. Hey, guys, you only have one or two places to go. Now, why do we do that? Why do people... Run away from God. Simple. They blame him. It's, it's the age old why. Right? God if you really loved me. You would have never let this happen to me. God why didn't you stop this from happening to me? Lord why did you allow this to happen to me? Even if they don't blame him directly. For being the one to cause something tragic. Or, or difficult to come into their life. Many times we say Lord why did you even. Let it happen. Why did you allow it to happen? And guys, it's a very, very, very simple and fundamental. Let me, let me just address this. I, I didn't plan on doing this, but I think it's important that I do this. Because this goes back to the, the age-old philosophical question. If God is good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Anybody ever heard that one? If God's so good, why is there so much evil? And you'll be probably very surprised at the answer. One word. Love. You say, what? No, no, I just asked you, if God was good, then why is he letting all this evil to happen in the world, especially to me? Because one word. It's what? Let me explain. Because of his love. All right? So let's think about it from a philosophical perspective. All of us would in here agree that what's the greatest virtue in life? It's what? It's love. I, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. The greatest virtue in life is what? Love. We all want to be loved. We want to give and receive love. Love is the strongest power in the universe. We, we all would affirm that and believe that, okay? Now let's back up and ask ourselves this question. How else could God have created a universe with the capacity for love? Because we all want love, don't we? We want love. I want love. So how else could God have created a universe where there was the potential and the capacity for love? There was free choice. Because by definition, love must be free. 
If love is not free and chosen freely, then it ceases to be what? Ceases to be love. Are you tracking with me? So basically God said, I want to create creatures in my image who have freedom, who have the capacity, the ability to choose. And I want my children to what? To love me. But he cannot make us love him. Because if somebody has to make you love them, then it ceases to be because it's not free anymore. So God didn't want robots. God didn't want puppets. He didn't want creatures that he could pull around on a string and make us do exactly everything that he wanted us to do. That's not love. That's not relationship. So what we're talking about here, guys, when it talks about pressing into God, here's the thing I want you to understand, guys. The only way that we would ever even have the capacity and the potential to have a love relationship with the God of the universe is because he had to create a world in which there was the freedom to what? To choose. And in that freedom, there's great risk. Because if God wants us to choose to love him, which is what he deeply desires, then that means we also have the freedom to what? Reject him. Why is there so much evil in the world? Because we've what? Chosen. We have chosen to reject God. We have chosen to sin against God. Guys, it's not his fault. Don't blame God. He has, he has put us in this in this human experience where we have the freedom to choose and there's so much pain and suffering and hurt and evil in the world because of the bad choices that we have made. That's what it all boils down to. And so I want to really help encourage you today. Don't blame God. Don't be the one that is angry at him because of some great pain that you felt or some great loss that you've experienced. Because not only is it not his fault, hear me, not only is it not God's fault, okay, but he's the only one that can do anything about it. Amen. Where else are you going to go? Ask yourself that question. Some of you have tried this. I know, I know you have. You've been hurt, you blame God, you're angry, you're resentful, you're, you've, you're, you're, you're just struggling in this constant state of resentment, and you've tried to do all of it on your own, you've run as far away from God as you possibly can, you want to blame him. How's that working out for you? How did that work out for you? If you've tried that before, does that ever work out? It never works out. Because God is the one, and he demonstrated how much he loves us he demonstrated how much he cared about providing the answers for our suffering for our problems for the sin in the world by sending Jesus into the world so that Jesus could not only identify with us in our weaknesses identify with us in our human struggle and our human condition but then through his death our his his burial and his resurrection he's the only one guys that has provided the answer that there will be a day okay it's not here yet. I get it. We're struggling with the fact that we're still caught. We're still trapped in a sense in this cursed and fallen world. But Jesus came to show us that there is a better way and that there is a kingdom and that there is a day coming when he will return. And when he comes back to this world, all things will be made new and there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sin. 
No more sickness. No more death. So not only is God not to blame for the problems and the, and the, and the difficulties and the uncertainties that we're having in our life, but he's the only one that can do anything about it. That's what I want to encourage you in, guys. So really, that's where we are. We either blame him, we reject him, we push him as far away as possible. And I want to encourage you guys, listen, if some of you may be right there right now, and you know it, because we all know it. But here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. All you got to do is say, God, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. I know you love me. I wanted to find somebody to blame. I wanted to, I wanted to get mad and angry at you because I thought you should have done something about it. Guess what, guys? He did. You see what it is? It's about the focus. It's about the perspective. He did everything about it. That's why we have this cross right up here on the stage to remind us what he did about it. You see, we don't have a God who just threw us in this experiment, stepped back and said, all right, let's just see how they, let's just see how they do. It's a big mixed up, messed up world, and I'm just going to sit back and, and let them have it. That's not the kind of a God that we have, is it? We have the kind of a God that was willing to leave his position in heaven, <clears throat> enter into his creation, take on human form, become obedient as a servant, even unto the point of what? Of death. So when you're going through suffering and uncertainty and difficulty, guess who knows exactly what you're going through? Jesus does. When you lose a loved one and you have to bury somebody and lay them in their grave, guess who's tasted death? He knows exactly what you're going through. When you've been hurt and betrayed by a friend or a family member, guess who was betrayed and hurt by friends and family? Jesus was. You see, he's the kind of a God that identifies with us in the human experience of the human condition of suffering and sin and struggle and weakness. That's the kind of a God I need. I need a God that can identify with. He knows what you're, he knows what you're going through, guys. So this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. And this is what Paul, <clears throat> that's what he's saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. In, in verse, listen to what he says. Again, back in verse 10. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but he says, I also want to share in his sufferings. Because it is through those sufferings, guys, when we learn to press into God and we learn to lean on him that much harder and we draw closer to him through the, through the valley of the shadow of death, that's when we become more like who? More like Jesus. Amen. Who suffered more than anybody else? Jesus. Who experienced sorrow more than anyone else in the world? Jesus. So don't you think that when we suffer and we experience sorrow, we become more like who? You ever think about it that way? It's God's goal in life that when we come to faith in Jesus, that moment that we enter into that relationship with him, that's just the what? That's just the beginning, right? So that we're, when we're born again, we're like a babe, we're like a newborn baby, a new creation in Christ. That's just the what? That's just the beginning. So from that point on, from the moment we trust Jesus, and now we're going to enter into this relationship with him and walk with him throughout the journey of our lifetime, guess what God's goal is between the time that we're saved and the time that we die? He wants us to grow and mature and conform into the likeness of Jesus. It's called your sanctification. Now tell me this, how can we be sanctified and become like Jesus apart from suffering? He suffered more than anybody. Amen. You see what I'm saying? 
So not only God is not to blame for our suffering, not only is he the only one that can do anything about it, but the beautiful thing is, is that he doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste the, the, the reality that we're in this world. In this life, Jesus said, what? In this world, you will have trouble. He promised us, right? He said, but rejoice and take heart because I have what? I've overcome the world. So, so lean in harder to me when you go through these difficult times and you're very much in, in fear and trepidation and uncertainty. Don't run away from me. Don't push me away. Don't blame me. Don't get angry at me. This is when I'm calling you to draw nearer and closer to me and press into me that much harder. And it's through that trial and it's through that time and that season of suffering that I'm going to take you and I'm not going to waste this opportunity to make you more like myself. And that's where we begin to grow in spiritual maturity as followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't that what life's all about? And so, guys, I just want to ask you where you are because don't, don't forget what he said in, in Philippians 3. He says this. He says, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's what he says in verse 12. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Let me encourage you this morning, okay? Because if you're at that state of, of your life where you've, you've rejected God, you're, you're pushing him further and further away, let me remind you what he wants you to do. I'm just going to read you a few verses. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Psalm 34, listen to this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. I love this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Guys, that's, what, that's the kind of a God that we serve. He's close to us in our brokenheartedness. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4, Jesus, the Son of God who has ascended into heaven, let us hold firmly to the faith we, prof we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He can, he fully empathizes, he sympathizes with us. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And finally, 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? So guys, I'm just going to ask you, how are we going to respond? Because regardless of what happened in 21, 2020 and 2021, there may be bigger challenges ahead. And even if 2022 is a better overall year, we're experienced trouble, aren't we? Amen. Suffering, sickness, loss, disappointment. And I, as a child of God, it would break my heart, and I know it breaks his heart, for any of us to get in that position where we begin to blame him and reject him and push him away and run away from him and become angry at him for things that are not his fault. When he's the only one that can do anything about it to heal our what? To heal our broken heart. Who else is going to heal your broken heart? Who else are you going to run to? 
That's what Paul's trying to tell us right here. Press in to God. Number two, not only are we called to press in that much harder to God, but the only way that we can really overcome pain and the problems of our past, okay, keyword past, is to press on in our daily pursuit of Christ Jesus. Somebody once said, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Right? If you're walking through a difficult time, just keep what? Just keep walking. Because, guys, that's what, that's what Paul is trying to help us understand right here in Philippians 3. Look at what he says. Verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing that I do, I'm forgetting what lies behind, and I'm straining forward to what lies ahead, and I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here we have Paul. He's arrested. He's in prison. He doesn't know how much longer he's going to be alive on the earth. And he could sit there and mope and moan and complain about how he is locked up and he's not able to do what God called him to do, to be a witness to the Gentiles. And yet he looks at it from an entirely different perspective. He says, I'm not going to sit there and get angry and get caught up in the past and, 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 be, and be worried about what happened to me back then. He says, right now, I'm, I'm going to take what I'm going through at face value and I'm going to realize that I've been given a captive audience right here in this prison. Think about that. That's why there's, as a, as a pastor, one of the greatest things to do is to be able to preach a funeral. I know that sounds weird. But you will have people that will come to a funeral. And in the, in, in the midst of that very difficult situation, you'll have people come and you have a captive what? A captive audience. Because at that moment, they're all thinking about one thing. And that's an opportunity. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm going to continue to pursue Jesus. I'm going to continue to pursue my calling. I'm going to continue to press on. And I'm going to try to forget what's lying behind me and the problems and the pain and the, and the sufferings of my past. And I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving what? Keep moving forward. Guys, and this is such an a, a important um, principle. This is such an important value. Uh, value uh, what am I trying to say? Lesson. For any of us today, especially for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, guys, we have to be able to reconcile the things of the past and turn and be able to move on and move forward. Because there's nothing more debilitating to our walk with Jesus Christ than to be stuck in a place of shame or guilt or anger or resentment or unforgiveness or all the things that we often hold on to, the things of the past, and we bring those things from the past into our present, and how does that work out for us? And we know it doesn't work out. And many of us are struggling, and many of us are miserable, and many of us are angry and bitter, and it's all simply because we refuse to put the what? Past behind us and to move forward. And that's what Paul is saying. So as we learn to press into God, we lean harder into God through these difficulties and the uncertainties that, that very well may be ahead of us, then we press on, guys. We must be willing to press on, move forward, fix our eyes on Jesus. One of the things that Paul reminds us in this passage is that we are citizens of heaven. 
We're children of God. Again, a lot of this goes back to who, what our identity is in Christ, right? And when we understand who we are in Christ and we understand that we're, we're citizens of heaven, that we're uh, children of God, that we're, we're being conformed to the image of Jesus so that we can be in the kingdom of God. He's preparing us for the kingdom, right? So we understand that we have to live our lives in a way that reflects who we are. And that's radically different than the rest of the world lives. The rest of the world says, you hurt me, I what? I hurt you back. The rest of the world says, you offend me, I cut you off. That's the way the world reacts. We don't have that. We don't have that, um, I guess it's not even a privilege, but we don't have that right as a child of God. God says, no, 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 no. We've got to yeah, deal with the things of the past, acknowledge the things of the past, and more importantly, we're supposed to learn, right? Learn from the mistakes of the past. Yeah, I get that part, but at some point, we got to leave the what? we got to leave the past behind us, and it's time to move ahead. Jesus said it this way. Listen to what he said in Luke 9, 61. A, per, uh, a person came to Jesus and said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go say goodbye to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What's he saying? He's saying, if you're really ready to follow me, okay, when you're ready to put your hand to the plow and get to work and follow me, he said, if you're, if you're still what? Looking back, you're not ready for the kingdom. You're not ready to follow me. Because as long as we continue to look back, guys, we're going to lose our way. We're going to get off track. Amen. That's the way it happens. And many of us are, are stuck in that situation. Many of us are bound by our problems, our failures, our pain. We keep looking back. And so what happens is that we get stuck. We get off track. We lose our way. We begin to drift away from God and our end goal. And we, we lose sight of the finish line. We lose sight of the goal. And the goal is a person. What's his name? His name is Jesus. We lose sight of him. The sins of our past can be heavy burdens that we choose to carry around, weighing us down, wearing us out, and making us weak, and it makes us want to quit. If you're here today and you're ready to quit... It's probably because you're bringing something from the past into your present. How many of you have re ever read uh, Pilgrim's Progress? Classic Christian book. I recommend it highly for any of you and your children. Amen. The lead, the lead uh, protagonist in the story is a, a man named Christian. He, he flees the city of wrath, the city of destruction. But the first thing he has to do is come to the foot of the cross... And he has to get rid of this back. He's got a heavy burden on his back. And he's got a long journey ahead of him. But he's not going to be able to make the journey as long as he's what? Carrying all this burden, all this baggage on his back. So the first thing he has to do is come to the foot of the cross. And he has to lay that baggage down. He has to lay that burden down. And all of us, I think, can identify with that. Now, here's the, here's the trick. Sometimes we do that. We lay it down, and we're freed of that. And then we get on our journey, and something happens in our life, and we go right back to that same place that we put it down, and we do what? Pick we pick it back up and put it on our back again. 
And now we're back in the, in the state of shame and guilt and self-condemnation and all those kind of things. So what do you do? You do the same thing you did the first time. You go back to the what? Back to the foot of the cross. Remember what Jesus did for you. Remember that he came to die for you, to relieve you of that burden, to, to, to truly forgive you, to truly bring reconciliation between you and God. And you might have to lay it down again. And guys, throughout the course of your life, you may have to lay that burden down multiple times. Multiple times. But that's what's so good about the cross. Is that he wants us to continue to come back to him no matter how many times it takes. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. I, heard a, I had a friend tell me this one time and I want to share it with you. I think it's very important. You ready? This is going to help some of you. No one, none of us should be defined by our worst moment. Think about that. Some of us are sitting out there today. All of us struggle with this. And it's the, the big, ugly, nasty thing that we've done, or it's the big failure in our life, or it's the big struggle that we can't seem to overcome or whatever it may be. And some of us are allowing that worst moment of our life to define us. Don't let that happen. Amen. None of us should be defined by our worst moment. There's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Another thing real quick though that we got to be careful of is that we can't let the past successes that we've had um, influence our present relationship with, with Christ. Because here's where a lot of people stay, uh, they, they stay in this place too. They say, well, I've served the Lord for such and such years and I've always been a member of this church and, and my family's a great family, a Christian family, and I've done all these great things for God. What does that have to do with right now? Nothing. No matter how many good things and how many successful things you've done for the kingdom and done for Christ in the past, don't bring that and let that be the standard by which you measure yourself in the what? In the present. Because any of us and all of us are just one bad decision, one big mistake away from completely losing our reputation, ruining the name of Christ, falling flat on our face. And many of us get caught in this trap that because I did it for so long or I did it way back when, then somehow that gives me credibility for what I'm doing right now. Guys, that's not the way it works. Amen. We've got to keep moving what? Amen. Moving forward. Moving forward. Hebrews 12. Listen to this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. There it is, right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, remember, he's the goal, he's the, he's the finish line, okay? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Hey, guys, we're running a race. There is a prize involved. There is a finish line. And, and God is telling us here in Hebrews chapter 12, he's saying the only way we can effectively run the race and keep moving forward in the direction that we're supposed to go is if we, number one, lay aside every burden, lay aside the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that the devil wants us to, to feel and experience, the lies that we believe about ourselves or whatever it may be. we got to lay that stuff down. Then we're freed up. 
to be able to run the race. And then the next thing we have to do is keep our eyes fixed on who? On Jesus. He's the end goal. Think about this, guys. At the end of your life, nobody wants you to finish that race more than who? Than Jesus. He's the one right there at the finish line cheering you on the loudest. How many of you parents out there are the ones that are just like the crazy parents that cheer your kids on the loudest, that, you know, embarrass your kids at the game, right? Jumping up and down, cheering. But you know what? That's what Jesus is doing for you and me. He's cheering us on the loudest. He's, he's there with open arms waiting and ready for us to cross that finish line so that he can welcome us and embrace us so that we can finish that race well. Which brings us to our last point. Press in. Don't blame God. He's the only refuge. He's the only place of comfort. He's the only one that can heal your broken heart. Press in harder to God. Keep moving forward. No matter how many times you got to lay those burdens down at the foot of the cross, keep coming back to the foot of the cross. Keep coming back to what Jesus has done for you. Keep coming back to his unconditional love for you. Okay? And the last thing is we got to hold on, guys. The only way to finish the race and persevere in the faith is to hold on to the eternal truth of God. Hold on to the eternal truth of God. Press in. Press on and hold on. Do you know why so many of us begin to doubt? Do you know why so many of us begin to struggle in this journey of life? What, what, did, what did Paul tell the Corinthian church? He says, we do not walk by sight. We walk by what? We walk by faith. What does that mean? You ever ask yourself that? What does that really mean? If our journey and our, and our uh, walk with Jesus Christ is not by sight, it's not necessarily by what we see. Because remember, if we look around us and we see 2020 and we see pandemic and we see fear and we see isolation and we see all the circumstances of our life, if we're walking by sight, we're going to live in a constant state of fear and anxiety and, and, and pressure and and anger and isolation and depression and all the things that come. When we look by sight, when we look at the things that are happening around us, guys, it's not very pretty. It's very, very challenging. So we have to walk by what? Do you ever consider what that means, though? It's easy. We say that all the time. You're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. Let me simplify it for you real quick. You ready? To walk by faith simply means this. You take God at his word. That's all it is. Do you really believe that what God has told you is true? Because when the world is falling apart around us and chaos ensues and we feel so overwhelmed, the only thing that we can do is turn back to the truth and be grounded, right? The anchor of our soul is to come back and get grounded in the truth of the word of God. And when we do that, then we have a choice to make. Okay, I know God is telling me this, but I see everything else is out here doing this. So which one do I believe? Do I believe what I see or do I believe what he has said? And when we choose to believe what he has said, that is walking by faith. Because then that brings us back. That, that, bring, that grounds us in our faith. That reminds us of who he is. That reminds us of who we are in him. 
That reminds us of the eternal perspective. That reminds us of those things that I shared with you earlier about how God never wastes a time of suffering in our life, but he, he, he works all things together for our good and, and for his glory. And we're reminded of all these promises. Wait a minute, I know God loves me because he's told me so many times in his book that he loves me. So if something's happening to me and I'm going through intense suffering and persecution and trouble and, and difficulty, it can't be because he doesn't. Love me. That can't be the reason why. Because I know he loves me. He proved that. Where? On the cross. That's been proven. So it can't, it's, not a, it's not a matter that God doesn't love me. It's got to be for something else. It's got to be for another reason. And he's going to use it for my good and for his glory. You see, that's what it means to walk by faith. We go back to the truth of the scripture and we take God at his word. Guys, many of us are in a situation and circumstance of our life right now that simply we are not walking by faith because we just don't believe that what he said can be trusted. And that's what the, that's what the Christian life is all about. Can you take God at his word? Can you trust that what he said is true? Can you believe that he's good to uh, make good on all of his word? He's going to make good on all of his promises. Amen. That's what I mean by holding on. Persevering in the faith. Holding fast to the truth. Believing that God keeps his promise. And guys, at the end of the day, Paul said it this way. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the what? Race. And I have kept the faith. Paul said that right before he died for Jesus and his witness. Now here's what I'm going to ask you this morning before we close. How do you want to finish? How do you want to finish this day? Any, anybody have a, a bad start to the day? Maybe? Any, any difficult time on Sunday morning? Anybody? Everybody's Sunday is great, right? We're all fine, right? How do you want, how do you want to finish the day? Anybody have a really tough start to 2021? We got, we got a week left. How do you want to finish the year? Some of us had a really, really rough start at our marriage, at our life, at our job, at our school, whatever it may be, in different relationships. It's not, listen, it's not how we start. It's what? How do you want to finish? And guys, if I can't encourage you with anything else today, as we learn to press into God even harder when things get tough, we put one foot in front of another and keep pressing on toward Jesus, pursuing him daily. Guys, at the end of the day, when we walk by faith, we're able to finish the race well. And I think that all of us would be honest with ourselves. We would all admit that at the end of our life, we want to finish a lot better off than when it what? Than when it started. Because Paul said, I haven't obtained it yet. In other words, have any of us arrived? Have any of us achieved the, 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 the standard of Christian living? Anybody out there? Nope. And we're not going to. This side of heaven, right? But we should be growing and pursuing, and we should finish better off than we what? Than we started. That's what it's all about. That's what the Lord is telling us right here. And so I hope and pray that, that 
in those words and understanding what God has called us to do, I pray that you'll find encouragement, guys, because this message, it goes way beyond the next year. It goes way beyond tomorrow. It's something that we can hold on to for the rest of our life as long as we walk in this, in this life with Jesus. And so let's take that. Let's take these principles and let's put them into practice in 2022. And let's do this and finish well together. So I'm going to give you your application. I'm going to ask our praise team to come on back up. Just think about what, what Paul said. Look at verse 15 real quick. Look at verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us hold true to what we have attained. Here's your application. As we approach a new year, let's press in harder. Let's press on and keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And then let's just finish well. What's the, what's the one word that we all want to hear when we stand before the Lord? That's it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for being faithful. And I pray that, Lord, no matter what we face, the anxieties of life, the uncertainties of tomorrow, that, Lord, we would draw near to you. We would press in closer to you, Lord. That you would give us the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other as we pursue you each day. And Lord, help us to walk by faith, believing that what you have said is true. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.